It's all straight talk show. What's going on? What's going on? Episode 50. We got football we can finally talk about, plus some basketball. Very interesting topic to talk about on that. First, I'm going to introduce my guest, John Overstreet, a wonderful football voice. John, what's going down? Not a lot. Just ready for football season to kick off. Hey, and, and football season is going to kick off in a very, very big way. I'm trying to tell you, um, you know, we got we got a lot of things to talk about. First off, I want to say um, the last time that me and you did an episode, wasn't it like, man, I'm trying to think. Like the last time me and you did an episode, it had to have been uh, leading up to the Super Bowl Falcons-Patriots, wasn't it? I think we did an NFL 100 one maybe after that. but uh... Oh, yeah, we sure did. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I was in there thinking. I said, man, I said, I've been trying to get – Trying to get as uh, trying to get you as much as can much as I can, but I do remember we did the top one hundred. We did we did from like seventy. We, we just we sporadically went through the list. Yeah, which uh, that list is what it is. They they did another one this year, and I feel like they're getting better, but yeah, not a big fan of it. Right. So now, right off the bat, uh, I'm going to say that John Overstreet is a Cowboys fan, um, kind of like a. A Cowboys fan that is very unlike Skip Bayless. He's not, he don't like the Patriots or any other team, but um, he, he, he's he, he's not. I wouldn't call him biased against his team. So if we can talk football, and you won't hear any bias. But he's a Cowboys fan. I want to point that out. The reason why is because my first topic I want to talk about is Zeke Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, who's been the talk of one, undisputed first take and all this stuff. Been hearing all this different stuff, but I want to give my take and I want to hear yours too, John. But with this whole Ezekiel Elliott situation, and you can mention other running backs too, Melvin Gordon, um, you know, saying that's somebody else you can mention. Duke Johnson just got traded today to the Texans. He was feeling like, hey, man, do y'all want me on the team? Y'all going to get rid of me? What? Um, you know, after they got Kareem Hunt and they have a Nick Chubb. But the running backs has been a discussion, you know, with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, like, it's, it's just been running back, running back, running back here as of late, especially in the offseason. But with Ezekiel Elliott, it's special because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And his quarterback is Dak Prescott, who came in the same year, later in the draft, had a great stat. So people was like, oh, they found their quarterback. But, hey, don't forget that you, the running back you drafted at number four has been the catalyst for this offense, along with the offensive line. But with the things that Ezekiel Elliott has done, he has not been compensated, I don't think, fairly. And he has two years left on his deal. A lot of people not understanding that, you know, when you sign the rookie deal, you got to go through it. People just think it's so standard you go through it. But when you shine like a bright, like a diamond on Dallas Cowboys' you know, main stage and when that star in the middle of the field and you're leading the league in rushing, how many years now, John? Two out of three. In the year that he didn't, he had the suspension, of course, and, and he still averaged around 100 yards a game that year. So he was on pace that year. Um so I don't know if people want to put an asterisk. Kareem Hunt outright led the league that year, but he was on pace two before the suspension. Gotcha. So is there a say that, you know, let, I know he has two years left on his deal, but, you know, is it is it fair or is it, you know what I'm saying? Of course, here's a better question. Is it right that Ezekiel Elliott is holding out right now? Um. I mean, it, it, it really depends on the person's standpoint um, and how they feel about contracts. 
like you said, he's he's outperformed his contract, and I think that's the heart of the issue. And I think it's a, I think it's an issue that's bigger than Ezekiel Elliott, and a lot of people might not like that. That's the truth. Uh, running backs just don't get paid, and that's that's the problem in itself. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I've got like salaries pulled up, and and this these are your top five uh, backs in terms of salary. You got Todd Gurley coming in at, at over fourteen million per. He's going to get fourteen point three this year. Mm-hmm. Bell's going to get thirteen point one. David mm-hmm. Johnson's at thirteen flat, and then the then there's a drop off not only in talent level but pay after that. The next two highest paid guys are Devontae Freeman at eight point two and Lashawn McCoy at eight. So the the word is the Cowboys offered a contract that will put Zeke in the top five. And then, then you start to say where, because if you're talking an average of that, Zeke, Zeke by the way, is at six point two this year. So Lamar Miller is making more on his second contract from the Dolphins than than Zeke is being a top five pick, like you mentioned. Yeah, and that and that's where the discrepancy is always there, and that's why I, I you know, I, I went on live on Facebook. Like I said, y'all can always check me out on Facebook, Justin Austin on Facebook, Instagram, Salt Street Talk Show. Check out John O Street. On uh, Facebook as, as well, um, but like I put on a live, I vented. Like I said, man, running backs get a bad rap, especially when they're a lottery draft pick. What I mean by lottery draft pick in the top ten in the NFL draft, when you're drafted number four, I seriously think that Ezekiel Elliott should have been paid last year. You know, saying like, you know, I know he has the off the field thing that people want to point out, but the man ain't got a felon. Um, he's he's done. Things to where the optics may not look good, but the man hasn't put nobody in the hospital. He hasn't um, he hasn't made a, a woman feel like she was raped. Um, I know the the pulling down the shirt thing was um, was a little over the top, but when you look at the video, everything looked over the top by all persons on that on that float. Just saying, and I'm not condoning what Ezekiel Elliott did. By any stretch, but I mean, come on. So I'm just looking at things that what he's done off the field, where I've seen other people do worse and still get their paycheck. I'm just wondering why they're trying to hang this over his head instead of just being honest and saying, you know, we got too many people who got to pay, and and try to make him understand that. But instead of they're hanging stuff over his head and talking about off the field stuff and then talking about this and stuff, and then adding in, hey, we just paid the Marcus Lawrence, or we just we got so many other guys we got to worry about, Cooper and Dak and stuff. I don't see why the, he can't be first priority, taking the fact that he's led the league in rush two out of three years. He's been the reason why Dak Prescott can be successful. And that defense really hasn't been all that great, which is going to be coming up soon, though, with Jalen Smith and, and Von Van Der Esch, who are making the defense better. My thing is that Ezekiel Elliott should have been paid he should be over $14 million per year until he gets into his 30s. Because when he gets to 30, what are they going to do, John? Oh, he'll be gone before he's 30. And I, I think that's that's a part of it. Um, so I'll say this, and you kind of touched on it lightly. Um, when Zeke was the pick fourth overall, the plan for Dak Prescott wasn't for him to start that year. And I think a lot of people forget that. Zeke was the pick because they thought this is a guy that will replace DeMarco Murray with Tony Romo at quarterback, and we'll have a year or two of, of competing, you know, 
NFC Championship maybe finally pushed through for a Super Bowl. Right. You know, with Dak becoming what he was and, and the Cowboys deciding to move on from Tony Romo, Zeke has kind of become the guy. It was always supposed to be Tony's going to throw us to these playoff wins or he's going to get us to these division titles. And, you know, Zeke is, Zeke is going to take the hits and not Tony. We're going to build the offensive line and running game and maybe stop Tony from getting hit so much. And you know, his body broke down on him, and that's why he's in the broadcast booth. But Dak was never intended to, to carry this team. And like I said, I, I think part of it is the Cowboys have, have never wanted to pay a running back. You know, this, when DeMarco Murray walked, him and Des Bryant were both free agents. And, you know, it worked out where the Cowboys paid Dez. They couldn't or didn't want to pay DeMarco Murray the money that he wanted. And, you know, DeMarco's career flamed out in Philadelphia because he was a bad fit there. You know, he had right. had effective years in Tennessee. But uh, even when he was replaced, Darren McFadden was fourth in the league in rushing for Dallas in 2015. So the Cowboys feel as though if they have to do it without Zeke, I mean, they picked up McFadden off of the bargain bin, and he was fourth in the list. You know, I, I'm a Cowboys fan that remembers the days before Tony Romo and uh, after Troy Aikman, and there were some rough years where we didn't have a quarterback, where Quincy Carter maybe is the best guy in that period. So I think not having a quarterback scares the franchise. It scares the fan base, um, which is why Dak will end up getting more money than what fans and, you know, a lot of spectators think he's worth. He'll get paid what he deserves to be paid because that's how the quarterback works. Um, yeah, Michael Irvin touched on that and how Jimmy, Garopp- Jimmy Garoppolo's contract set the market. And he was a guy that had, I think, uh, 11 total starts at that point. So here we are talking about three guys at once and Dak Prescott having the second most wins as a starting quarterback since 2016. He might not produce the numbers of uh, uh, Matt Ryan or uh, Russell Wilson, but the team is winning, and that's going to be hard to throw away a quarterback that's won 32 games in three years. I got you. Yeah, and then that, you make a very strong point there. Um, now, what do you think? Now, I, I got this question for you right here. Do you think starting out the season, if no contract happens with Zeke, and he doesn't play week one, week two. And say if, you know, Dak struggles and, you know, people start having to talk and say, see, that's why you need Zeke, you need Zeke. I mean, like, what is that? I mean, like, would that hurt Dak's contract? I mean, like, I'm, what, I'm at, what I'm getting at is that Zeke is Zeke is sabotaging Dak. <laughs> if you think of me like a little bit where if you don't play and then here you have the same struggles from Dak, it's going to hurt his chance of making big money. Absolutely, but I think for the for for the team, for the ownership, and, and sometimes I think uh, it's easier for fans, especially like myself, uh, to not look at the at the team as what it is. All of these teams are in business to make money. Right. And winning is absolutely, I think, the goal of, of a lot of franchises. But at the end of the day, you've also got to be – it's also a business. So, you know, if Dak Prescott doesn't do well and, you know, his contract time comes up and that number gets lowered – Either one of two things happen. Either you're going to get him back at a discount, and you know you got to put some things around him. You've got to put an elite running back with him, or you know what you have in him, and you have a guy that can't get it done without an elite game, and you decide to move on. Which that's not a bad thing either, because like you said, I think the money's there to pay the guys on defense once their deals come up. 
because the salary cap is always changing. But it, this is, I think, the the point where you've got to pull the Band-Aid off of one. And I think there's a there's a window that's closing for Dallas in terms of them pushing through. Um, but there's, like I said, it's also a good time to, to move on if you so choose. Jason Garrett's in the last year of his contract. Right. You know, this, this is, I think, his eighth or ninth year there. So if ever you wanted to rip the Band-Aid and start off with a new coach, new quarterback, you know, this is not a bad time. So if Dak doesn't play well, you know, it, it gives you that get-out-of-jail-free card where you can move on and the fan base ain't going to criticize you for not paying. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where, and that's where, like, you look at Amari Cooper sitting there like, man, like, I, I need, you know what I'm saying, like, I need you, you know what I'm saying, like, like this whole thing, I just think Zeke needs to, I think Zeke needs to get paid. But also, I think Zeke needs to be a grown man and say, "Look at it, I'm going into getting paid." But help out your help out your teammates. You know what I'm saying? I think this holdout is not like Le'Veon Bill. If you get what I'm meaning, like a little bit, like Ben Ovet, content with whatever he's got is not hurting the, the so much of the team salary, or whatever. Yeah, AB, you had whatever the pieces you had, but you was going to have Le'Veon right there. But my thing is where I find it different is that these guys are young. Like, everybody's young. Not just being, you know what I'm saying, like Ben was an older guy. You know, even even you can say Tony O'Brien was, what, 30? Like, approaching 30 quicker than what Amari Cooper is. So, like, I would just look at it like, man, like, you still young. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think if a one big-time season, they want to pay you. And, then I, you know, with that one year left on the deal, in good faith. I just think you're rocking the boat a little bit by making it harder for that, by holding out and possibly wanting to say that, hey, if I don't get a contract extension, I'm not playing. I mean, if you leave his offensive line and do nothing, you're just going to be Zeke, who had a flash, led the league in rushing two out of three years, and pulled a girl's shirt down. Or do you want to come play this season, ball out, and be congratulated for other things and then possibly get paid during the season or right after the season? I just think for him, hoo-hawing around, I mean, just it's just – I feel him. It's, it's like I can't play both ways, you know what I'm saying? I can't be on the fence of this, but I'm just saying, like, I just for the for, – for his teammates, I would be there. You know, I just think for the teammates, I'd be there. I, I understand that, and that's – that was my initial feeling, but it, th- this is also, like I said, if you led the league two out of three years, and like I said, that, that year in the middle – really a suspension is the only reason we're not saying he let it three out of three years. And you start to look at your peers, which, again, that's always a dangerous thing, but you start to look at your peers and you're paid like Lamar Miller's being paid. And Lamar Miller had a nice season in Miami. He's went to Houston and been a, a solid every back, but is he on the level of a Zeke? No. I, yeah, I, I think most people are going to say he's not. Has David Johnson been a uh, level of Zeke? No. Uh, other than his one year, and I think that's, you know, the consistency piece just isn't there, but um, that's that's where it stems from, and Zeke belongs in that class with Todd Gurley and, and Le'Veon Bell, and he absolutely belongs up there, but yeah. it's, like I said, it's more of a running backs don't get paid on the second deal type thing. Right. Uh, watching someone else point out Alfred Morris, who, who Dallas re-signed, Alfred Morris, those first two or three years in Washington, was he was a beast. I mean, you're talking rookie year, he had 1,600 carries. Now this is a guy that 
can't get a starting look anywhere in the league. Mm-hmm. And running back's bodies just they break down. Yeah. So once that's why he's forcing his hand. He knows that he'll be twenty six when his you know fifth year deal is up with Dallas. You know, he'll still get paid, but, you know, no one's going to want to invest their, their team's future in him. Very true. Very true. Like I said, I hope something gets done here soon because the last I report was the Cowboys was rarely even talking to Zeke's um, representation. Rarely. I said, you know, we're not even really worried about it. They're looking at it like, we'll get to it. Oh, uh, they, they will, but it's like you said, it's – how often does a team have their quarterback up, uh, a receiver, you know, their number one wide receiver up, and then a, a running back that wants to kind of get pushed to the front of the line? There's money for all of them. Dallas doesn't go outside and get free agents much, if ever. I mean, the free agents that Dallas sign are uh, Georgia Loke is getting paid less than a million dollars. Uh, I think Kerry Hyder's under two. You know, he's maybe around a million dollars himself. Randall Cobb was a relatively cheap signing. So – you know, they haven't signed any offers. Well, the offensive linemen, they signed are backups. Uh, Cam Fleming coming from the Patriots last year, and Joe Looney was uh, a cheap replacement for Travis Frederick, who was out with uh, the autoimmune disease. But Dallas isn't putting a lot of money into the to the free agent market like you're seeing other teams. Dallas tends to uh, try to draft very well, which they have recently, and then they put the money back into retaining their own players. So the money's there to sign all of them. You know, it's just – the philosophy of when can they make these pushes, you know, to go further in the playoffs. I think that's what we see. And the contracts are, the contracts are getting in the way of a, of a team that added a lot of talent and actually has a chance. It's going to come down to Philadelphia or Dallas. And, and one of those teams is going to push um, for some playoff wins. But those two, I, I know Madden and I don't put a lot of stock in it, but Madden ranked them as the two best teams um in the league so i think a lot of people see the talent there on the paper they you know got to the second round last year uh were within eight points of the rams and didn't play their best game so i think if they put this team together that they have on paper and they get on the field and you get the contracts taken care of this team could have a special year i'm not trying to be that cowboys fan that says this is our year not saying that whatsoever i just think adding robert quinn the depth they have on the defensive line, spending their second-round pick on a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. um, having a couple special linebackers, getting that offensive line back healthy. You know, when you're adding an all-pro center, when you're getting Jason Witten, a leadership guy, back in the locker room, when you have a new offensive coordinator that's changing some of the things that Dallas wouldn't get out of, it, it looks like an exciting year on paper. So once they get the contracts – out of the way, and that might be a good thing because people are talking about the contracts and not thinking that this team is, you know, anything more than what they were last year. A lot of people are just going to say, well, their first or second round exit. Yeah, it, It's an exciting year with what's on paper, so if they take care of the contracts, I think the team will take care of itself. I got you. I got you. Hey, and, and you know, Dak, I saw him at training camp a couple of days on TV. I, I was sitting there watching and they was doing Drew, where they was, you know, doing throws and whatnot, trying to look more accurate. I just hope he's more accurate this season. I mean, just to talk about the Cowboys, to flip, talk about the Cowboys real quick. I just hope he's more accurate as far as it was plays where I'm just like, man, like, guy could be right there. And, and sometimes his throw can be on point, but just too high or just too low. And, you know, yeah, you can, you can hit somebody on stride, but you got to at least put them in the hands. And, you know, you ain't, you might not be missing guys way out. 
Some throws he can. But there's a lot of times where the too high or the too low comes into play where, where a lot of times where guys can't catch the ball with him on third down. Uh, that's why I would say Zeke needing to show up for training camp is big because you put this in a position where this man got to throw 40 times, he's not going to be able to do that. Um, especially against, you know, saying somebody that we're going to be talking about here pretty soon, um, here in a couple of seconds, but it just, the Cowboys, you know, saying they need to get, they need to get their situation. They got a good problem to have. They got great talent on the team. Just, they got, like you said, they're going to have the money to sign everybody. It just, everybody's got to be on the same page and, and not feel like that they're bigger than the team. And, Right now, I, I just feel like Zeke is like, shit, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that guy right now. Well, I, I'll say this about that quickly before we move on. I think that this year he will make a, a leap. I don't know. I'm not he'll be a lead or anything like that. Um, so you got to realize, first year, he comes in and gets all the reps in, in preseason, but he's not getting reps with David Bryant, who got hurt, I think, week one, week two of – of uh, his rookie year, so your go-to guy gets injured. Um, then, I mean, like, if, if we're talking about, I think the consistency hasn't been there for him. Uh, Scott Linehan being a terrible play caller. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense going from Dez Bryant and Jason Witten heavy in the passing game to last year when you're talking about going out there against the Panthers and Deontay Thompson and Terrence Williams are your number one and two guys. Mm-hmm. So I think as the season went along last year and Michael Gallup started to emerge um, when we got Amari Cooper, some of the tight ends started to play better. Um, I think the consistency piece, once he got a little more consistent, he picked up during the second half of last year uh, once Dallas went 7-1 and one down the stretch. And I think that's some of what you're looking for this year. Now, Cole Beasley's gone, and that was his security blanket in a lot of ways. We didn't throw him the ball enough. But – Jason Witten's back, so he's got consistency there. I wouldn't worry about he's returning Cooper and Gallup. There's some consistency there. Um, like I said, the other tight ends, Jarwin and Schultz, he's got some consistency with them. Um, then he'll have his normal center back. So I think with the, the line improving, with people coming back, him having the same group of receivers. Because, like I said, rookie, rookie year, he's set up with one thing in practice, and then he gets in games and he's got another. His second year – you know, we we lost Jason Witten last year. So there, there's been so many moving parts for him. We lose Dez last year. We've changed up who he has so much, and I think that's hurt him. And then not only that, but you've got play calling that's very much the same, it, game to game. It's going to help him having Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. It's going to help him having some consistency with the guys around him. So I think he makes a, a little bit of a leap. I'm Like I said, I'm not saying he's going to become elite. Um, he is a two-time Pro Bowler. I think maybe he gets back to that level. He'll be somewhere, um, somewhere, fifth, sixth best quarterback in the NFC, maybe. Soft Straight Talk Show, and we're back after the break. We're talking about Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys. We're talking about 
you know what I'm saying, everything that could be leading up towards the regular season. Week one, will they be playing or whatever, whatnot. Now we can move on to the defensive side and talk about Jalen Ramsey. Like I said in the beginning of the show, um, somebody that's been, you know, looking for the big payday, but also looking to be happy overall. You know what I'm saying? Like Jacksonville's trying to, you know, trying to silence him, trying to be like, hey, chill out. Um, but he's looking at it like, you know, when Fred is to get here, what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? And he's mentioned teams like the Raiders with them potentially moving to the Vegas area. And then you got the Tennessee Titans that he's mentioned because, you know, he likes the Titans. And he mentioned about no state tax in Vegas. But he mentioned, hey, I, you know, there's, there's a chance I come to Tennessee and play because my, 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 my grandma's favorite player is Marcus Mariota. And that's pretty damn good right there um, uh, for him to have a, a big fan like that. Because, you know, here in the past couple years, I mean, even guys like in the in the analytic analytical world of the sports, I mean, like, you know, Marcus Mariota doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of cheers, but um, good guy off the field. He's a good uh, silent leader, I guess you can call him on the field. He made some plays, uh, especially that one in the playoffs, a little tip where the ball got tipped and he ran it caught and ran it for a touchdown. I thought that was remarkable. But Jalen Ramsey says, "Hey, I would play for the Titans." So basically, the Jacksonville Jaguars should be looking to ship him on out of there. But hell, he's asking the the potential play. In a division where you know that that type of player that he is 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 wanted because hell he's on the he's he's on the team that's in that division. I'm not correct. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, Jalen Ramsey does he does he deserve to be having the the time before week one to be talking about where he wants to play at the end of the season? Uh, training camp. I feel like that's that's the wrong mindset to have. It's it like kind of like with the Zeke thing. It's a business. Jacksonville's a terrible market. You know, they're going to see what they have with Nick Foles and see if they can become a team that can compete again. Um, you know, they kind of fell off the face of the world after going to the AFC title game. But I think all it is, he 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 wants to do that Dion, even though Dion was in Atlanta, and Atlanta's a lot better market than Jacksonville. He wants to get out of there. He wants to, to leave a legacy in the league. He wants to make his mark, and, and he wants to be seen doing it. And Jacksonville's not the place to do it. And like I said, we'll see what they are with Nick Foles. They've got a lot coming back this year, but he's trying to force their hand. And I mean, kind of like Antonio Brown, I think that's why maybe the Raiders are a good location. The league wants that to work. I'm sure Vegas is going to be an exciting place to see games. They'll be on TV for sure. And that's got to be a hell of a destination to, to play and live. Yeah, I think, I think that will work out. You know, a lot of speculation. I mean, that's why the, HBO show ballers, you know what I'm saying, grab that narrative and put it in their script. I mean, like, Raiders, Vegas. If any team was going to go to Vegas, it was going to be the, the Raiders. And that's, if he goes there and, and you know what I'm saying, builds off of that, he, he it fits him. It fits everything with Jalen Ramsey. Jacksonville fits him, I would guess. I mean, Florida, where he's, where he's from, you know what I'm saying, where he's going to be, where he's going to play at, you know what I'm saying, where, where I thought his whole career, but now, him wanting to, to to say, hey, if I ain't gonna get that bag, I don't give a damn about the location. And I don't care, you know what I'm saying? I wanna be able to make that bag. And it looks like the Raiders are saying, like, from the looks of getting Antonio Brown, get rid of Khalil Mack, there's money on the defensive side, he can go over there and be that guy. Oh, okay. Now, my next question is Is Jalen Ramsey, where do you put him in the NFL? Where do you put him in corners? Like, like I, me personally, I got him in the top, I can say right now, the top four. 
I would give him top four, but where do you have him? Like, do you see him being able to be in this cachet? This, this, you know, I could talk, I could bring Ha Ha Davis training camp. I could do Antonio Brown type things right now. Is he at that level at cornerback? Got Darius Slay. You got Hayward. I'm not, these are not in order, but you got guys that are really good or quiet. And I just named two guys right there, really good and quiet. Then you got, you know, uh, Trufant, Chris Harris, which he's starting to get a little longer in there. But you yeah. got Denver tried to dump him right. this offseason. Exactly, too. exactly. Um, Peters got beat. I, listen, Marcus Peters, physical, fast. He got beat a lot last season. I don't give a damn what nobody said. He got beat a lot. Still makes good plays. I will call him a better Fred Smoot. Yeah. Like, he, he's, a, he's a guesser. You're right. Like he's, exactly. He, he's he's going to make some plays. But um, for me, if I'm talking Ramsey and, yeah. and where I'd place him, and I'd put him in my top three. Um, the only guy I think uh, that comes to mind right away that, that maybe I'd put in my top three that you missed was uh, Rhodes, who's also a Florida State guy from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Rhodes, yeah. Yeah, but I – Now, he's he, – yeah, he's, he's solid. Good physical guy. Mm-hmm. Jalen has size that a lot of those guys don't have. I like Slay a lot, and I think Slay is elite, but Slay doesn't have the size that, that Ramsey has. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I, I think if you're talking, you're talking. I mean, it, it's he did a lot of Cassius Clay things last year. He talked a lot of a lot of smack and backed it up in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of games where, like the Steelers game, mm-hmm. a, I want to say he had two picks. He had a big game. Yeah. Jacksonville just couldn't do anything with the ball offensively. Nope. Football's different than, you know, basketball or even a lot of other sports. You can be a star and loud, and you can not affect the game at all. You know, there were whole years where Dion didn't get thrown at. Mm-hmm. So he was brash and cocky, and he had to get his on punt returns or tip balls or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, he was boastful, and I think that's what Jalen – he's following the model. I mean, yeah. all the guys do that. Yeah, uh, all the yeah. elite he went to State. Yeah, but I I put him right up there. If you're asking me who I'm looking for in a corner, he's a prototype guy. He can cover anybody. Yeah, he can cover tight ends. Yeah, um, because of his length, mm-hmm. he can tackle very well. Yeah, and he creates turnovers. Like being a Cowboys fan, there's nothing more frustrating than Byron Jones covering everybody. <laughs> but he's got hands like the little kid off of uh, Little Giants. Yeah. You know, you you want to cover him and stick him so he can catch a ball. Right. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, that's that's one thing about Byron Jones is like he's going to catch every third attempt of the uh, interception, maybe fourth. I've always seen it. Byron Jones like he's gonna drop that. He's gonna drop that. Um, Hargraves is always somebody I looked at like you know oh, injury, injury prone, but a guy that can high point it, but doesn't really get it all the time. But he's a progressing guy for my team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and hopefully he can stay healthy. That I can start naming him some more, because um, you know you know Brent Grimes is old. You know what I'm saying I think he's gone now, and I mean like we you know, we're trying to we we trying to be. We're trying to find that Jalen Ramsey. And, we, you know what I'm saying, quieter or, or talkative. But for Jalen Ramsey, if he's going to play for another team, I just feel like just hush it, play this season. If you did your armored money truck, whatever, with Ha Ha Davis, you already made your presence felt. Just put it out there on the field. Talking on a podcast. Now, he wasn't on first take. He wasn't on Undisputed. He was on a podcast with Taylor LeJuan. And uh, and if I'm not mistaken, a former Tennessee Titan player, uh, both linemen, and he was talking. 
podcast, you tend to talk a little bit more loosely. Well, everybody speaks a little more liberal on podcasts. Yeah. And I think it came out today. I don't know what platform or yeah, it was, it was a tweet or story or yeah. what, but he said that uh, he would DM guys' girlfriends, wide receivers' girlfriends, before he played him in college. I mean, that's there's a level of savage there mm-hmm. that, that I like in a corner. But uh, with Jacksonville, I mean, they're not really a vocal team. I, I mean, they don't have those – they don't have that guy. They, they don't they, – they've never really had that guy, mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew wasn't that guy in the media. No. Jimmy Smith wasn't that no. guy in the media. Like, I, I don't Fred Taylor I was a quiet guy. Yeah. Like, they had Keenan McCoy, they had guys. Yeah, so they've know. never had that guy to be, right. you know. So he's he's the first. He broke in the mode. Leonard Fournette could be an asshole, but he's not like Jalen Ramsey. I think, like, he's just an no, asshole. No, he's not boastful in the right. media. But uh, for Jalen, I, I hope it works out for him. And I also, like, I like seeing elite players go to good teams. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't. I mean, it's like, would do you want to see Barry Sanders on a league team and, and get validated by winning a ring, or do you want to see him waste? It? Same thing with Calvin Johnson. You know, we got to watch him waste his career away on a mediocre team, mm-hmm. and it's a shame. Yep. And it was like, as soon as that guy was getting good, he was taking him thirty minutes to get out of bed, and it was just like, damn. All right, they're getting better. You know, like they're getting there, but he's like, damn, man, I'm kind of wore out. And I don't know if we're going to be going digressing or not. And then they're going to be trying to throw me the ball 10, 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing about Jackson's going to think about is that they got A.J. Bouye. And he signed to another three years, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and if I was Jacksonville and looking at that, he's uh, not no he ain't no bullshit corner. He's an elite corner. When he came there, I think he was ranked top five, top yes. three by pro football yes. focus. Yes, but uh, he came from the Houston Texans. Yeah, so I so then again, you're you're if you're Jacksonville, then it becomes where you want to put your money. Mm-hmm. And some of that is you want to show the young guys on your team that if they play very well, that you're going to reward them. And then some of that is like you said, it's let's get this problem out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they view him as a problem or not. I thought the thing with Ha Ha Davis was funny. Mm-hmm. No, I, I yeah, that that was that was cool. It it just it was something that you can put on on uh, on TV. It, it to me it seemed something like you would see a bigger star in a, in a bigger market do it. Like yes. it, it like reminded me of T.O. doing sit ups in his driveway yes. or uh, Antonio Brown pulling up in a in a in a uh, classic uh, Great Gatsby car. Um, yeah, it's something much more like that than like those people in Jacksonville looked around like. What's happening? And who is that? <laughs> and, and who is that? Who is that? With the, now, if he like like if he was in Atlanta Falcons, if he was in Atlanta Falcons, that would have been a real like, hype live moment. It just seemed like like you said, it seemed stale because people was like, and when he said Jalen Ramsey, yeah, get that bag, you know what's up? You can hear Jalen Ramsey talk in that instance with the camera being that far back and people being around him coming off that. There was no buzz. No buzz, no clapping, no like, ah, like you can hear Jalen Ramsey talk without a microphone. So that's why I looked at that like, uh, okay. That, that's why I'm saying, chill out. Because last year you already sit there and said, this quarterback is this quarterback. But I'll say this. I don't know where he was. I, like, I'll say I felt like he was wrong. I would certainly rank some people differently. Mm-hmm. But the people that he trashed, for yeah, the, for, the mo- for, off. Yeah. for the most part, he for went off. out and had yeah. good games against yeah. every one of them. Yeah. And he everything he said, they backed up. Yeah. Um, now, as the season went on, I think he quieted down because the record started to, you yeah. know, 
They he gave up. Was. The defense gave up. Period. Well, they they did, especially after the uh, Conor McGregor Cowboys game. Mm-hmm. They got forty hung on him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you could tell early on in the year, like he had some games circled, and he trashed Matt Matt Stafford. Uh, he trashed Gronk. He trashed Roethlisberger. I mean, he had good games against the Lions. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Ryan Tannehill a little bit earlier. Yeah, he, yeah, he is what he is. I mean, that's I mean, I, and you know, like speaking of quarterback buzz, I'm hearing Ryan Fitzpatrick is winning the battle somewhere, and that's crazy to say. I don't know where the fucker is playing, but he's winning a battle somewhere. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be starting again. I think where's it? Where's he at? Um, I want to say Miami, but I'm not sure if that's just yesteryear that I'm thinking of. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it is Miami. It's Miami. He's in Miami. He's he's kind of like he's um, being Josh Rosen right now. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, McCown. Where you saw that picture, McCown had that picture. His daughter had like thirty different jerseys where she went to high school. <laughs> That's kind of Fitzpatrick has played like for every team. Pretty much. Like, yeah. So but I like, like McCown. Fitzpatrick got big money from each team, even though he didn't really get to spend it all. Well, he, he he's Fitz Magic. He shows up and he looks good. He's immortal for five games, yep. and and then he comes back down to earth. Yep. Because, you know, the tuxedos end up looking a little fucked up. Because the thing is, Fitzpatrick's got good pocket awareness. He's got good feet. He can move. He can slide. But I think when he gets his confidence up, he's thinking that I can make every single throw. Well, yeah, when you're Fitzmagic for five games in a row, yeah. you've made all the right decisions. Right. Yeah, it's like he gets into game six and starts heat check throws right yes. off. Yes. And that and the heat check throws because it goes against his throws. The slant, the deep ball. The slant. The deep ball. And then the rest of it is happy feet moving around. I get five yards or I check it down to the running back or I throw it out of bounds. When he gets in his heat check mode, he starts throwing across the middle of the field. Interception. Then you got the Steelers game, for example, where he threw four picks. Bucks. And then they're like, okay, James is coming back. We're going to throw him in. But he's a four-picker against the guy, too. Which moves me on. To my next, I, I, I want to talk about this for a second, then we'll talk about Melvin Gordon um, real quick. But I want to say something with, with Jalen Ramsey to the, 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 the end him off, is that if he did go to the Raiders, and could, he's in that division uh, with Broncos and with, with, you know, saying the Chiefs and all that stuff like that, that's going to be crazy him going against Patrick Mahomes, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, oh, him, twice a year? Yeah, twice a year. Um, him him playing in, him playing against Denver when they've always had this. Even it didn't matter what secondary they got. This is a no fly zone. Just to see him boast a, a a team that really hasn't had a good secondary since Namdi Osunwap. Honestly, I mean, so it's, it'd be cool just to see that get better. Cause Carl Joseph, I got faith in him. Um, I think they still got uh, that one other corner. This with Conley uh, with from Gary on Conley. So like they're 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 looking like this could be good to where this could make this division tougher for Mahomes. You know what I'm saying? Because people are saying, can Mahomes do it again? Can he throw 50 touchdowns? You know what I'm saying? Like he can have whatever year this year. But say if Jalen Ramsey goes to the to the to the Raiders next season, it changes things. Yeah, for sure. But I'll I'll say this about the if, if he goes to the Raiders, which like us. He's an asset, and I think ultimately Jacksonville wants to keep him. Um, I don't know how far apart they are on the money, but I'll say this. When you're in Jacksonville, and, uh, you know, very quickly I'm kind of trying to go through my mind. Being a West Virginia guy, Aaron Beasley comes to mind. 
And there's, and I'm not at all. Aaron Beasley is like I loved him, you know, growing up watching him. Um, I think there's a difference when you're talking about the standard is Aaron Beasley versus the standard is Charles Woodson mm-hmm. or Lester Hayes yeah. or or you know what I mean. Some of the corners that the Raiders have had throughout the years, right. even Eric Allen when he was older, like mm-hmm. there's always been a standard for the Raiders corners. Yeah. So when he goes there, all of a sudden the expectation becomes, can you be Charles Woodson? Right. And, you know, it'll change. It'll change Jalen Ramsey, and that's – even if he goes to Tennessee, you know, they don't have – they've had some good corners in the mm-hmm. past, but the expectation will change dramatically, especially if he, if he were to go to a market like the Raiders, instantly Charles Woodson becomes, can you be this? Yeah. If he goes to the Titans, it just – it would make Butler's job a little easier. It, Butler would get back to his form. I think if, you know, it, it allowed Malcolm Butler to not get burnt by some guys that I felt like in New England, he was able to have help by the defensive system. And having a Jalen Ramsey would help Malcolm Butler out a whole lot. He didn't get killed last season. Just a lot of plays I saw where he got killed. I saw him get killed by Alan Hearns killing right. him on a double yeah. move. Malcolm Butler is one of those guys where I think he got the recognition. He got all the, the big contract. The You should have been Super Bowl MVP. He's got that moment in history. Mm-hmm. and I think down to down, that gets forgotten sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's different with Jalen Ramsey. Down to down, he's Jalen Ramsey. Right. Down to down, you got to give Malcolm Butler some help, and Tennessee yeah. didn't do that enough. Nope. So, yeah, if you bring in a Jalen Ramsey, you can shift help over yeah. to him a little Which, bit. you it, know, they lost their safety for the year, too. I mean, losing Kevin um, Byard, if I'm not mistaken. They lost him for the year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they lost some pieces at the beginning of the season. Well, he Byron played, I think, at least until halfway. Okay, I was about to say. I know it was either he he got. I know I know they had yeah. some injury going in that defense where it was kind of it was a little difficult for him. Um, but you know, saying he he can he can help both teams. I mean, he got his eyes with two good defenses in a, in two different um in the same division and another one in a different division that I think that he could feel comfortable playing in. Like I just don't see Jalen Ramsey. Playing like wanting to play, he seems like a guy like you said could tackle. He, he wants to be rough physical. Physical. He wants to have opportunities too. Sure. You know, you ain't gonna. It just like you. you say, I always said this: like certain divisions, you're gonna get your opportunities. Just like Saquon NFC East, beautiful. Just like Ezekiel Elliott, run the ball. You 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 got guys that can't tackle. Heath, you got guys that like like that likes to try to arm tackle a lot. That's the NFC East. To me, you got the NFC South, who who I feel lowers the boom, but can't have so you know what I'm saying like you got guys like Keanu Neal, you got guys like uh 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 um, that that can just flat out murk you, man. I mean like uh, that's just the first person that comes to mind. But if you if you look at the, at a whole of different divisions of, of football, how football is played. You got guys that can land in certain spots and won't be able to. Demarco Murray, you know, saying like you saw how he was in, in the Cowboys, and that's the only that's the example I'm bringing up because he went he went to a, a different team in a different division. Reason why he was successful is because of Philly's style of the way they was running him. He could have been successful with the Eagles if they would have ran him right. He went to the to the Titans to where it was fitting to where how. When he got the ball, they were downhill. They were downhill. You got to look for Mario to run the ball. That was fitting to him in Oklahoma uh, uh, and all that stuff. So it's just like 
he was able to get back, but he really wasn't the same because Dallas Cowboys ran him, ran him to the ground to me. I felt like he wasn't. He was serviceable, but he wasn't Dallas Cowboy DeMarco at Tennessee. He yeah. just he just wasn't. I'll say, I'll say this, and, and talking about how physical the AFC South is, mm-hmm. Houston did just cut Freeman. Yeah. But you're talking maybe the and division. just picked up Duke Johnson. And they got well, two slight guys at running back. I don't think they're running game. They're going to be passing to their running backs a lot. Yeah, Sorry but, to cut you off. No, you're fine. But what I was going to say is I think that's a division of the pounding running back maybe more than any other division. Mm-hmm. When you're talking Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And, and then, like I said, Freeman before. I know last year he was banged up. But mm-hmm. teams were building a pounding style in that division. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good to have a corner that can play run support. Yep. And, and you're not so worried on the right. edges. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, he could do it all. Like, why go to a division where you're just going to be covering all the time? You're covering, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to go to the MC, MC West where I'm just going to be sitting there like, I'm not going to find a lot of opportunities in that where I look at the MC West is going to be throwing it, man. They're going to be throwing They're going to be launching it. Kyler Murray going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, he's Russell, other, he's Russell, Russell, West. Russell, Russell going to be throwing it. That's the West. Oh, but yeah, excuse me. I'm tripping. Patrick Mahomes going to be throwing it a lot. He's probably the only one that's going to be throwing it a lot. Right. Denver isn't looking good with Flacco right. and, and right. Drew Locke. And, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to be sitting there like, now, man. Rivers in San Diego, that's what they do. And that, that right. kind of segues you into to Gordon. But, right. Um, yeah, I, that, that division is definitely, they, they want to air it out. Um, I think he'd be a good fit with the Raiders. But like I said, yeah, I, I, I don't think, think it would. I don't think Jacksonville wants him to get away. But I, I would love to see him with the yeah, I think I think the Raiders would probably be the ideal spot. Titans to me, just like I never, like, he go to the Titans and it's just like, ah, like, are you gonna win? You know, what I'm saying, are you really gonna feel good? Like, I just don't feel good about. I feel good with John Gruden and what the Raiders possibly could be from what they're doing. The Titans, to me, I mean, like, how long is Mario to play? Like, you know, what I'm saying, like, how long is Derrick Henry gonna play? Like, you got guys that has a mystery on their shelf life. Because you got big guy, big guy style running back. You got a guy who already was feeling his right arm getting hurt. He runs, he gets hit. Um, that could be possible concussion problems. You got um, you got a good offensive line though. Just getting better. They, they you know, were, what I'm saying they were a great line. Right, exactly. So I mean, there's some things to where like you know you 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 can hope on, but then you'll be like the defense has to win games. To where like you could just be a great defense. To where like Carr Brown. And what they're trying to do, like, it can turn up. It can really turn up, and and, and especially with the move to Vegas. I mean, it can really turn up. But um, just to get back, just to keep it rolling, talk about Melvin Gordon because I I've been wanting to talk about him because it it goes with the Zeke thing because they traded up to get him. They traded up to get this man, and now they don't want to pay him, but they want to call him injury prone. I'm I'm a big Melvin Gordon fan, and I know he got the ball a lot in Wisconsin. And his first year Chargers was not sweet. He had a learning curve. He got nicked up. Second year, he woke up a little bit, got a little bit better. Last year, I think he hit the ground running. That man was averaging close to about five yards a carry. He got in the touchdowns. Got what twelve touchdowns? I, I'm not sure the exact I number. Think, I but... think it was twelve touchdowns. The man was a catalyst down in the red zone. He was elusive. He could catch. He was the one of the problems coming pre-draft was they was like, we just hope that he can start getting handsy so when we can start getting it out there to him. That's starting to work. 
The mm-hmm. one bad thing about Melvin Gordon was that he got hurt in production behind him came in. Mm-hmm. So you had Eddie Jackson. I mean, Justin Jackson. Then you had, um, for the love of God, number his life's oh, brother. Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler. They were all doing good while Melvin Gordon was on the sideline, which is all bad for him because the front office is going, wow, we got guys that we can keep cheap, way cheaper than you. That's bringing the same production. They're not going to be able to repeat it, in my opinion. I would pay Melvin Gordon. John, what would you do? Um, here, Here's like, I'll touch on what you said about the negotiations. I think that's, it's kind of a classic thing that a team does. Um, when you want something on your terms, you know, maybe like the girl's good looking, but you tell her one eye's bigger than the other. Or that her smile is crooked. You give her a backhanded compliment. You got a pretty smile, but I don't know if you know this, your canine is crooked on the left side. You know, it's almost as if they're trying to talk him down to give him this contract. He He's an eight, and I think that they're trying to say, you're an eight, but we had two six and a halves come in, and we didn't miss a beat. Like, we, we had a better relationship with the six and a halves, and we didn't have all the headaches, you know? And that, to me, is, I think, what they're trying to use against him in negotiations it's the running it's just the running back market. Um, should they give him 10, 12, 14 million dollars a season? Absolutely not. Um, personally as a man, I say absolutely he should go for it. Like I think everybody should get what they feel they deserve. And I'm not questioning that, but the market ain't there. Um Austin, Hunt was gonna get that. If he didn't if he didn't rugby style that world. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like I'll say this for Hunt. He didn't miss any games. <sighs> He he led the league in rushing, even though we touched on that. He he did lead the league in rushing. Even last year, he was having an outstanding year before that suspension hit him. So the durability's there. Um, until the thing happened, there were no off-field concerns for, for Hunt. Mm-hmm. At least I'm not aware of any. So I think that he was quiet and he was producing. With Melvin Gordon, like you said, he's hurt and he's partially producing, but then even when he's out, they're producing without him. Right. I here's I think San Diego traded up. I know they're Los Angeles. They were San Diego at the time. They traded up as a window pick. Like, oh, if we put this running back with Phillip Rivers, we we've got a window. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, that window's closing fast for them. Yeah. And Rivers, I don't know how much he has left, but they're not going to pay Melvin Gordon going forward and destroy that franchise. They're going to get another quarterback in there. They're going to have to get a quarterback by any means. I can understand that part. I can understand that part of you saying, like, you know, we don't want to pay you because Phillip Rivers opens up the door. We're going to be looking to get another quarterback. And then here we are paying you. You can draft that quarterback. It don't have to be a first pick. You're not going to be shitty. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got Tyrod Taylor. I Listen, if Tyrod Taylor can stay on this roster and be behind Phillip Rivers and come in behind him and at least get a fair shake, for the love of God, people got to quit. Now, this is my only thing about Tyrod Taylor that I'm going to say is that in his head, is always looking to see if they're trying to yank him out. Yeah. And that makes him hold the ball. That makes him not want to throw the ball with conviction. That man's got a cannon when he wants to. He can run, and he can, he can drive the ball sometimes. When he's got to look over his shoulder, that man had to look over his shoulder for Nathan freaking Peterman. Okay, That's so true. so so last year he had to look over 
Baker Mayfield's the first pick in the draft. But Baker is is acceptable. Yes, Baker, I can. I can you have, yes, you yes, could have charged yes. Buffalo's front office with a felony yes. for for making him look over his shoulder. Right. But right. I was gonna say this about finding a quarterback. To me, finding a quarterback is like when you used to go to the bank, you know, and, and the bank would give you, you know, you're a kid in the car, you're mm-hmm. a kid in the lobby, and they give you a sucker, right. and you get the mystery sucker. That's kind of how finding a quarterback in the NFL is. Even when you think, like, we've spent the first round pick on or first overall pick. Sometimes those guys are, you know, you open that sucker up and and you get root beer, you get butterscotch. So you might not always get what you want just because you're spending a pick on somebody. Quarterback is is probably the hardest position in sports to consistently replace. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if Tyrod Taylor could be an answer for them. He could. I think he's got a low ceiling. He just turned 30. He'll be with somebody, but I think he's got a low ceiling. He just turned 30. I just think, I just think like guys like him, who's just finally gonna get that break, is really gonna show people because he has the work ethic and he works hard. He doesn't get discouraged. He could have got discouraged and said, you know what, fuck it. And you could tell that there's growth in him still at this point. Moving to the, the to the to the L.A. Chargers, there's a hunger still in him, and he knows that there's an opportunity for him. He's not getting blackballed. He's still getting picked up by teams. That's great. Um, he's 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 a person that did was vocal was sitting there saying like man because I'm a black quarterback my leash is shorter he still got signed just like that that's promising it is promising to look at that because he told the truth he told the god honest truth I I got a shorter window because look I'm I'm, I'm black and that's true hell <laughs> that is young. Had a breakout year. I ain't gonna say a breakout year to talk about oh, pro, pro, pro. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm talking about a breakout year to at least get a second chance because I've seen McCowns, I've seen guys, veterans get second chance when they were past their prime. But I've seen young guys get chance at the chance of chance. I've seen guys in the middle, you know, saying get chance at the chance of chance. Be white quarterbacks. That is young came in this. I said that is young. I'm sorry. That. What's his name? Play for the uh, play for the Jaguars. Help me out here, Thad. Um, God, August Lewis. That is Lewis. Came in, played good football. Was getting chemistry with the team and everything. Was playing good football. Todd McShay goes. Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. It's Blaine Gabbert. It's Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars took Blaine Gabbert and Thaddeus Lewis was never looked at again until he just got signed last year because they was making a point to not sign Cap. But how long did RG3 sit out? And I think he got stuck with that stigma of being injury prone. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about being a backup quarterback and what you, look, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys signed Mark Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Mark Sanchez went to the Bears after mm-hmm. that. Everyone knew Mark Sanchez was not like, wasn't, wasn't he on the Redskins last year? Yep. Yeah, so everyone knew Sanchez yeah. wasn't. He wasn't a guy you wanted to trust with the ball, even right. for one or two games. I think Sanchez put on a... No, that was T. Rush. I'm about to say, I think Sanchez put for, on a freaking Patriot helmet. Turn out well, him. but that's what I'm saying is... No, it wasn't him, though. Okay. You knew he wasn't going to come in for any extended amount of time and right. play. No. In RG3, it took him years mm-hmm. to get that chance. Now, yep. I think some of that was him waiting on the right contract. Right, because he turned down the ball from a Raven. I think he should have because the Ravens are the Ravens don't know they've never known what to do for quarterback. Who did he end up signing with who? Uh, I wonder. I want to. Ravens. I don't know. I, I just like. I think RG three at least could have already been on the bench. 
Well, I think the Cardinals were offering him, and he maybe turned them down. But no, it was Ravens. It wasn't. He, tur- oh, yeah, well, he, he turned down a Ravens deal. He set out, and then he came back with the Browns, got hurt, and then he then he set out, and then he said, "I'm 27 years old, I'm still playing." And then the Ravens gave him a deal, and he took it. And then they drafted Lamar Jackson when he takes the deal. He looked good in the preseason. Lamar didn't. Lamar looked good in the regular season, maybe 10 percent of the time. Fumbled a lot. Got some touchdowns. They ran the ball, ran a tricky offense, and went to the playoffs, and it took them an hour to complete a pass. And RG3 didn't dress. I don't understand the logic of the NFL. If you was going to put Joe Flacco in the game, why dress him? Why dress him? And do you not dress RG3 to where if you wanted to run that sophisticated offense for for uh, Lamar Jackson, at least you could have put in somebody could have completed a pass within an hour in RG3. So if you wasn't planning on playing Flacco, dress RG3 so he can be the backup for the guy who's shitting on the field that's going to run the same style of offense. I just don't understand certain things like that because you want to go off of media narrative. Carmelo Anthony's going through it, and that's the last topic that we're going to talk about, along with the Rich Paul rule. Uh, Rich Paul rule. But to finish my point. You have these quarterbacks that gets these special opportunities. You mentioned Mark Sanchez. Hell, if McCown wouldn't have retired, his ass would be on the team today. Yeah. Today. I fully agree. So, look at Colt McCoy. Look at... He's starting. Yes. In look, Washington. Thank you. Colt McCoy. Um, there's another one guy out there that... T- listen. Well, Blaine Gabbert started games for Tennessee down the stretch yes, last year. Yes, he did. Now, listen. And now, look at this. Look at this. Blaine Gabbert was starting... And then they had the nerve to go and sign Matt Castle behind them. And then I capped. So, here's my point. Listen to me on this. This is guy with the last name Skelton. Skelton has played for... John Skelton. Yes, he's played for the Raiders. He's played for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. He's played for... Hell, the hell he's, been on, he's been on a bunch of teams. Skelton has not done nothing. Skelton has played a playoff game, sir. Now, granted by injury, but Todd Skelton, wherever fuck his first name is, has been in this. I know his name. He's not good, but I know his name. Why? This is the NFL, man. I got a helmet on. He can't make a brand. But how does I know his name? I didn't see him play college football. Same, same with Nathan Peterman. The same with Chase Daniels. These are guys that get second, third, fourth contracts like Matt Hello. Castle. Matt Castle threw 30 less Chase touchdowns Daniels. than Tom Brady did the year yes, after replacing him. Yes. And he's still in the NFL because of that 2008 season. Right. I can tell you some of the things that he did in Dallas were criminal. Mm-hmm. He flat out did nothing mm-hmm. and got paid millions of dollars for it. Yeah. Um, but it, it kind of, the league and, and the backup quarterback is a broken thing. And I think, that, like I said, the league and quarterbacks is a broken thing because well, it's, it's really a bag of mysteries. If you're a black quarterback, you got to get an endorsement by, uh, uh, by Bill Belichick or, uh, or somebody like that, Tom Coughlin. Like, you got to get an endorsement. Like, Jacoby Brissett is always going to have a job because Bill Belichick's put his stamp approval on him. He's always going to have a job mm. somewhere. Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's going I, to be I'll, playing somewhere. I'll say this, and, and like you said, it segues into to how the media brands people. Mm-hmm. Because Jacoby Brissett came from the Patriots, people see him as a passer. Yep. And it's always been the issue with, with a lot of African-American quarterbacks is mm-hmm. outside of Warren Moon, there's not a lot of black quarterbacks that you go, 
He's a drop back passer that can kill you. Mm-hmm. Donovan McNabb was a drop back passer for years yeah. that killed teams. Steve yeah. McNair became later in his career became a drop back passer that killed teams. Yeah. Randall Cunningham that year that he had Randy Moss and Chris Carter and all them boys mm-hmm. killed teams as a drop back passer. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just the stigma of if he can't do his own read, if he can't take off running, you know what do we do with him? Yeah. It's a stigma that's always been there, and it's it's. It's terrible, and I want to say it's going away, but I don't know. I, I just man, look, Chad Kelly gonna be on a team this year. Some sometime, some point in time this year, he's gonna be on a team. Well, he walked to somebody's house and sat down and started watching TV. Byron Leftwich is another perfect example. There's a guy who was never mobile, but one of the strongest arms ever. Granted, he had a terrible release. Mm-hmm. Byron got on with the Steelers and mm-hmm. was a backup for a couple years, yeah. and that was it. Charlie Bat, same way. Yeah. And he was a guy in Detroit, and once his window closed, but he was, just a, he was a backup. And, but he found a job with the Steelers, and they said, hey, you, you, you're the backup, you run the offense, and you come in there and you help out. I just look at it where the opportunity comes to these guys is about, you know, connection and who you know, because, like I said, you got the helmet with no brain. Oh, absolutely. So when it comes to second string guys, you mean to tell me Chase Daniel is better than Colin Kaepernick? You just don't want Kaepernick to be the backup, because you don't want – the media, you don't want to like, oh, can he possibly start? Well, he, why is Kaepernick on the bench? He should be really starting. But he just want to be on a fucking team. But you would rather have Chase Daniels, though, himself. I'm not shouting out, I'm not pointing out, I'm not being negative to the doughy people out there. I'm just saying, this man does not look like an NFL quarterback because he don't have no height. He don't got no, no, no. He, he had an ch- opportunity to play. Um... And this was crazy because you, you're playing behind a guy who runs and gets hit. So he's playing behind Mitch Trubisky, and he has the chance to start. I said, oh, shit. Chase Daniel came in there and looked like a piece of shit. Now, he's been a backup for Drew Brees for how many years? Uh, he was backup for Brees and Alex Smith. For about how many years? About five or six I years? I want to say he's been, in league. Maybe, he's been in the league for about eight, nine, eight years, eight, nine years. I want to say man. 2012 when she came in out of, out of Missouri. Right. So he's been a backup for that long. He's always held, kept a helmet on for a sticker on it. This man never always, I swear to God, preseason. Man, Chase Daniel, man, he's a good guy. He comes in there, man, he's a good defensive backup. Never heard his name during the regular season. Good. Somebody gets hurt and then he comes in. And you're like, whoa, that's Chase Daniel. Well, and there's I, no type of production that you're going to get out of that guy. A lot of times in the NFL, in the quarterback room, they want a guy that they want a guy that knows the playbook. They want a guy that knows scenarios. They yeah. want a, like Kellen, yeah. Kellen Moore hung around Dallas like that. Yeah. Now he's the OC. Yeah, but I think now, the best guy like that who I don't like to pick on because I actually like him is Matt Moore. Matt Moore was the guy who was like, man, I feel bad I'll, for him. I'll say this for Matt Moore. Matt Moore has started playoff games because mm-hmm. of injuries. Mm-hmm. Matt Moore in a pinch, I think, if he's got to start three games for you, yeah. he could win you one I or like two. Matt Moore. Yeah, I'm not worried with Matt Moore like mm-hmm. or, or even um, Derek Anderson's like that. Hey, Derek Anderson, yeah, they shouldn't start a whole season. Right. But they're, they're a backup that can – and that's but what you should – Todd Skelton. Todd Skelton, like – the home run, obviously, is Kurt Warner, the guy that you don't know that you have when your yes. bench and comes in as the Hall of Famer. Yes. Everyone, or even a Dak Prescott, like the guy that you drafted in the fourth mm-hmm. round, and he comes in and you win 13 games. Or Russell Wilson, whenever you sign Matt Flynn to a $30 million deal because right. he Aaron Rodgers back up for years. And I'm like, man, Matt Flynn, he's good. You see him in the preseason? And then you let him play a couple in – I remember this. They let him play a couple end of the regular season games. He looked all right. 
And then you get all this endorsement and all this guy. And then he gets the, I swear to God, it was like a five-year, 30 so He got a huge deal. For but... the Seahawks. And Russell Wilson came in and took his job. As he should have. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I just, I just look at it like the NFL is too of a click. It's a clicky who, like, like when it, it was an episode of Colin Cowherd. I'm not trying to diss Colin Cowherd. It's just something that he touched on that he actually hit on something where I'm going to knock the NFL, not him. But, like, he was sitting there talking about Mitch Trubisky. And he was like, that don't even sound like an NFL quarterback name. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I be damned. The NFL really looks at that in a sense of saying, like, and we can't say that name. Like, well, he was being truthful. He like, Mitch Trubisky. He said, that's Dan Marino, Steve Young, John Elway. Well, you sell, you sell Manning, you sell Brady, you yes. sell Breeze. And, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't put Roethlisberger in there. He's made that name. Yes. But, yeah, it's a, it's a different sounding name. But Mitch Trubisky, he was like, I don't know. And now you can't get enough of the guy because he's a rough and rugged guy from Ohio who started one year in college, and now he's playing for the rough and rugged Bears who they limp up and down the field to score three points or maybe six, maybe six. So, I mean, he's like, oh, God, he made it to the playoffs because of the defense. And you got this McMahon-type guy at quarterback. Now they love him. But here's the thing about that. They gave up a ton of picks to move up one spot yeah. when San Francisco wasn't going to pick him. Right. And that, I think that shows the shortcoming of the Bears. Yes. Um, I do like Anthony Miller. I do mm-hmm. like Trey Burton. I yes. like some of the things they got going for him. Yes. And Anthony Miller's a good player. I don't know if Trubisky makes a leap. I don't know if he's a top 10 quarterback in the uh, NFC. He didn't look great in that playoff game. Well, and no. They could have won the game. Parky gets all the blame, but Trubisky has some drives in there where they could have stretched the game out or they just won it outright. They, outright. They, I don't remember the exact final, but they scored less than 20 points. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's not obviously putting enough drives together for right. the Bears. And I think in, I've heard in camp he hasn't looked good. Camp is yeah. camp. Camp is camp. You got to get in games and look good. But if you're good, Tim Tebow, then you're just going to look horrible. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's some of what Trubisky is. But, right. And they're um, not going to say that yet. And and that's... Because he was a first-round <laughs> Yeah, he was a second overall pick. And I think that's where that leash is a little longer. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you touched on Carmelo. And if we're talking still, we're, we're talking kind of media narratives. Mm-hmm. I don't, for the life of me, understand why someone's not giving him a chance. Mm-hmm. And like I t- I've told you, being a Detroit Pistons fan, we we give Derrick Rose a chance, mm-hmm. and he's had all the injuries in the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm like sitting here hoping he plays 70 games. And I love him. I want him to be everything he used to be. I want him to be everything he is now. Mm-hmm. If he plays 55 games, it's a win for us. Right. We have no outside shooting. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean. I know y'all lost Oliver. He loves to shoot. Well, Detroit recently has been – where careers go to die. Mm-hmm. We got Luke Kennard still. Well, we had Allen Iverson. We traded, you know, Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson, and his career died in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had T Mac. Mm-hmm. His Bad. career died in. You know, I know he ended in San Antonio, Antonio but Antonio McDyess' career died in Detroit. So right, yeah, not McDyess, Chris Weber. Well, McDyess, Chris Weber. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. So you're talking. McDyess about... went from Detroit to San Antonio, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, but. At that point, he's no longer a superstar. Right. Like, Iverson went... He was went, in the knockdown jumper, though. I think, I think Weber... Weber was probably, like, the guy I think when he went to Detroit, I was like, oh, God. T-Mac, 
I looked at uh You you knew T Max yeah, days yeah. of getting twenty exactly. plus were up. Exactly. Well, and I'm not saying that for Mello. But here's what I'm saying. He can help a team like Detroit that every year Detroit is not good enough to be in the lottery mm-hmm. and they're not good enough to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you add Carmelo Anthony, you can let him shoot until he's blue in the face. Who's he taking shots away from? Exactly. Andre Drummond? Exactly. I mean, we've got Blake, and Blake will get all the shots he wants, right. even with Melo. Well, here's my thing with Carmelo, and I can't wait till we get, I can't wait till we get to this point, especially with, with the media tied into it, is that like we were talking about with Colangelo and the USA team and all that bullshit and making distraction and him trying to get on the team and Chris Brickley bringing up the farewell tour, which I will get into that here shortly. Um, Carmelo Anthony, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is around the same age. Carm, uh, LeBron James, Chris Paul. He's a year old. He's it, it, I think it, a year older than LeBron. Right. And a uh, little younger. older than Chris Paul. Younger. Is he? You don't know. I'm sure. He's, I'm yeah, sure. he's a little he's older, older than he's Chris older. Paul. He's, he's older. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who can still play basketball in this league? And I just the only reason why I feel he's not getting the opportunity. Is because his position more so than I think it's, it's I mean of course it's the baggage of and it's not saying the baggage saying like he's a coachable guy I think it's the baggage of his pedigree his resume of pedigree his position Derrick Rose was able to get that because like in this point guard world you know what I'm saying like or this guard situation you can just pick up guards I mean you can. He's a guard you can pick up. But yeah, Derrick Rose, fuck yeah, pick him up, man. Give him this. He can probably get to the line, get to the free throw line. Get some, you know, have some Derrick Rose moments. He's better than a than a Ish Smith. He's better than a than a than a guy that we had before uh, at, at Detroit. Um, there's there's things to where you look at guards, you see how they get picked up and stuff like that. Um, like Chris Paul, like he's still gonna play. You know what I'm saying? He's a guard. When it comes to the threes or the small ball fours. They, you know what I'm saying, like, they, they want guys to be more like, come here, I want you to do this, buy into this, yes, sir, okay, yeah, okay. Melo, people are thinking that Melo is smiling in front of his camera going, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I, I want to come off, I want to buy in, I want to come off the bench. But they're thinking like, when we get him here, he's going to be like, number me on each side. He's going to be sitting there trying to ISO every play and tell everybody to get the fuck out of the way. And we don't want to go through that. Who are telling these people this? Because I didn't see that in Houston. I didn't see that in the Thunder. What I saw was Russell Westbrook tarnishing that. Because just like he tarnished the the season after that. And what I see in Houston, I saw a team looking for a scapegoat for their own internal problems. Because when it came to the end of the season, you could see they were fucked up in there. Period. That's exactly what it is. But let me ask you this. When you turn on the Clippers in the playoffs and you watch the bench come in and you see Lou Williams get handed the ball, mm-hmm. does he not have all green lights? Yep. Is, does he not? I mean, they're running plays for him yeah. to some extent. And he's but shooting fadeaway, leaning, fade, he, jump shots, mid-range shots. <laughs> like, he's shooting shit. You're like, God damn, he's shooting that? Right. So, But that's what I'm saying. Like, Even I remember watching, I, I like Jerry Stackhouse when he was with the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And Jerry had that same type of green light. Like, mm-hmm. You're the bench scoring. Michael Yeah, you are the guy off the bench that we need points from. And to think that Melo can't do that even for the Hornets. He can't do that for the Pelicans. Melo can't come in and do that for a, a 
a Toronto team that that lost their you know lost Kawhi. Like he can't go to one of these teams and and give them fifteen twenty points a game. You're telling me teams that need somebody to shoot the ball. You mean to tell me Vince Carter was able to resign back with the Atlanta Hawks? That's what I'm saying. That's why. Like, and this is my point. Like, yeah, I think he's getting a lot of Allen Iverson type treatment. Yeah, and and it was the same with Allen. I think, like you said, they wanted to put him in a box, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, with Detroit, like. We didn't have the team to put around him. Mm-hmm. Chauncey made that team work. He was a bigger guard. Right. Rip was a bigger guard. We right. lost the bigs. Allen didn't fit on that team. Right. He couldn't carry a bad team at that point. Right. And I think, like you said, Melo's been the scapegoat so much. And if you look at history before that, man, like, Dominique Wilkins didn't get done like that. He went to the Clippers. Patrick Ewing didn't get done like that. He went to another team. Like, people. And yeah, and, and, that's, and that's the thing about Dominique Wilkins. He was an uncoachable asshole. <laughs> he still got a and he still got a contract. Clippers first, <laughs> and, and and this is what I'm saying. Like, if you look at the history of the league, they've always allowed the greats to go out on their own terms. I mean, I'm sure. Dominic Wilkins, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, cut you off. Dominic Wilkins, I'm sorry. He was uncoachable. I even call you an asshole. They just said that you just shot the ball and you wanted, you did what you wanted, and they was like, well, send his ass to the Clippers. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, Dominic Wilkins. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's. Some, you know, people that didn't get to go out on their own terms, mm-hmm. but the ones that do, and you you mentioned the retirement, the kind of the farewell thing. Yeah, it was great for Abdul Jabbar. Yep, I went to the Kobe farewell tour, and it was one of the best moments that I've ever had going to a mm-hmm. sporting event. Yeah, the pure love that's in the building for someone. Yeah, and and the people that got to see him, even for the first time, were genuinely. Car- Carmelo Anthony wants to retire around the same time LeBron James. I don't think he wants to call it quits now. That's why he was kind of like, why did you go and do that? And I think Chris Brickley did that just to make a team try to, like, maybe sign him. Thinking, like, well, damn, if he want to play for one year, we'll sign his ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe he was hoping that. I just think Chris Brickley was, start, was just trying too hard to be a to be the liaison of getting me Melo back on the team. Like, I'm going to be the guy because he's been on Instagram with House of Highlights, you know, in conjunction with them and him posting the Black Ops shit, posting still pictures, him working out, everything going now. He went on the Breakfast Club. He's just doing all this stuff to where, like, Melo was like, man, like, come ask me first. Don't go sitting there talking about a fair world tour. Like, I still want to play made by two years, bro. Like, then I can start thinking about that because right now I'm seeing LeBron and Chris Paul ain't talking about no fair world tour. Hell, especially Chris Paul. You know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't talking about one, and, and they're saying that he's lost a step. I, and, I, and I guess they can say has. that I have two if, if me talking is mellow. But it's just like, I'm like, if you look at the Black Ops, I know that's, that's, that's open run stuff like that. You got some NBA players, so you got J. Cole running around there. But Carmelo Anthony, if you watch the 10-minute highlight from the Houston Rockets of him playing all the way up to where he got fucking fired, basically... When he scored 28 points against the Nets was his last game. He can still do what he can do. I just think it's too much of a media thing to why he is not on the team. And it's just unfair. And I just think it's happening with so many different things around sports. Because if you look at it like this, look how long it's look how long it's taking Pete Rose to get in, in all the thing. And and that's a media thing. That's a media thing. That's a media thing. Every time it comes up, 
It's a big media thing. Cause then every time it comes up, something new comes out. Oh, we found out he did bet on a bet against the Reds. That was the new thing. Whenever he was so close, they was like, "Oh, new man, a new job, uh, new new commissioner coming in. You'll be able to go in and talk to Manfred, and this should be an easier transition for you to get in. You go talk to Manfred." And then on the lead up to that, the media turned it out and made Manfred go, maybe this might not be a good idea. And, and that's what sways people as Thank public you. opinion. Thank you. Here, here's my thing. Like, if, if we're saying something similar. So imagine if Jerry West, who's in the NBA as a basketball player. Right. Imagine if Jerry West, the player, was getting held out mm-hmm. because Jerry West, the GM, bet on some games. Right. Has nothing to do with his playing career. Right. And if you want to penalize Pete Rose, I think, I think he's paid the price for that penalty. Right. As a player, he's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Right. And I think anything else is just like you said, it's selling books, it's mm-hmm. it's getting ratings. Mm-hmm. You're getting tombstone by Kane. Yeah, I mean and that's exactly what it is. It's it's all foolishness and but it, should, it diminishes he have to do none of that shit. No, it diminishes who he is he and be what he's baseball. A trip to Hall of Fame will get his ass back to managing baseball. He could be sitting there happy with a cut cap on. That like Ron Washington snorted coke on the goddamn bull in 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 the clubhouse. I, well, I'll do you one better, and I saw this when when Daryl Strawberry fucking. Oh well, okay, go ahead. <clears throat> when Zeke had the incident this summer with the the Vegas bodyguard where he bumped the guy, and, and, he, <laughs> and a bump is a bump. A bump is putting it nicely, right? Like, he brushed the guy. Yeah. There was there was a tweet I saw that said, "You got an owner in Indianapolis catching DUIs. Yep. You got an owner catching owner. DUIs. You got an owner caught in a sex, you know, trafficking tra- slash. Trafficking. Well, they were trafficking the women, even though he went Man, there for look, something look, different. Look here, yeah, go ahead. He, but still, what I'm saying is Robert Kraft. Listen, I'm not listen. I'm, listen, I don't want women out there thinking I'm talking crazy, nothing like that. But um, okay, it wasn't. This wasn't like Taken. Okay, this was not like the movie Taken. Robert Kraft is a seventy pushing eighty year old dude who lost his wife, who was going in a place to where they had it set up like that. He just like, hey, what's up? And it's just the way it came out. It just seemed like Robert Kraft and some other rich farts orchestrated this. No, I don't think he was involved in in women being trafficked. Yeah, I man. think I think he went in and and paid for his women. services. Yeah, forty year old women. But and they but, sitting there trying to they trying to come up and they can give us some hand jobs. Like, but my point <laughs> is, if you're worried about the integrity, and I know baseball, we're not doing parallels. Yeah. I'm not as much of a, of a baseball fan, mm-hmm. so I don't know about their ownership. But yeah. if if the NFL has integrity or any sport has integrity at the heart of why a guy should or shouldn't make the Hall of Fame. Right. And you've got owners getting DUIs, you got owners out there. I remember Jerry Jones even had pictures with some woman in front of his crotch. You know, you've got yeah. owners that aren't living the integrity thing, but you want to keep a guy like a Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame or exactly no doubt. It to me I, I don't think know what Jerry Jones was thinking when he was drunk. He had a drunk face. Well I think all of these sports do themselves a disservice when they get into the morality game, mm-hmm. and that's yes. and that, that's part of all of what we're talking about. Even with the media, like they get themselves but into they, a morality but thing. But they don't want to push the morality thing because, like you said, these guys shouldn't even try to play that game. But they had to because then you can have somebody sit there saying, "Like, wow, I never buy another Sprint phone again." 
And you're like, huh? Because Sprint supports. You're like, damn, well, it gets that serious to where, like, Cam Newton literally just said, you know, damn, you talking about routes? Like, that's cool. Like, Funny, like I I think that was taken out of context, yeah. and I think I think most guys don't, don't get me wrong. It's it's probably it's a different world. Let yeah. me say that first of all. I think women understand a lot of things, and I think that uh, I think Cam said what a lot of men think. Not that he was saying that women don't know about right. routes or anything like that. I think he was just saying get asked that type of question by a woman. Was nice, right. and yeah, he lost. He lost an endorsement that went to Dak Prescott, and that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of what I'm saying is. I think the Buccaneers two years ago, whenever we in the preseason, we was ushering in a uh, we we started up a thing was going to help women understand football. Like we was having like a thing where women could come in, and it was kind of like a seminar based to where they can get around, take a tour, learn football basics. Learn things because it was the years where we was going to be accepting as female assistant coaches, things like that. So we thought it'd be a good idea to sit there and bring all the women that wants to learn or wants to, you know, basically it was like football for dummies, and it backfired because women were like, "Oh, so you think us women?" And that's what I'm saying. Like we were actually doing something nice because those women actually don't know what a first down is, but they're probably married to a football junkie. They could possibly come and learn some shit. But then you got the people, the women that do know football, are gonna take it as an insult, and be like, "Huh? So the Buccaneers want to teach football, huh? Like, what do you think we are, a bunch of dummies? So you got to just do it strictly for women? We're looking out for you." My my brother had a girlfriend that uh, he was watching a game with her. She saw an incomplete pass, and she said, "Why is no one grabbing the rebound?" Exactly. And you know, and at the same time, but you know, I dated a woman who's telling me about Cal Rudolph and how great of a tight end he is. Boom. So there's there's different ends of the spectrum, and right. there's even that with men. But and then you know what happened? The men, the the writers, the article writers, shitted on the Buccaneers because women were outraged. They didn't sit there and go. They didn't back us up because well, if you look at it, Tampa Bay was up. Nope, it was Tampa Bay does it again. Another bonehead decision. Da 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 da. No backup because they like I want them turning on me. But I'll, I'll do you one better. Didn't wasn't Milwaukee in the running to have a female head coach at one point or a female coach on the mm-hmm. bench? And you look at the Spurs having it was it uh, Becky, Hammond. Becky Hammond on their bench, and she's credible there mm-hmm. and she's celebrated there. Mm-hmm. But with Milwaukee, you heard all the things that the guys were scared to death of. Yep. And I think therein lies the perception we're talking about. Like with the Spurs, it's a wonderful thing and it's celebrated as it should be. Mm-hmm. With the Bucks, because it's an unstable franchise, all you heard were the negative things, yep. and that's kind of how it works. Yeah, that is true, and it, it is fair. It's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's, it's just like you said. If if Jacoby Brissett started his career in Detroit, yep. he'd be out of the NFL. He'd be out, man. But because he'd be he's been with Bill Belichick, he's his stay. credibility's he's there. Same with Jimmy Garoppolo. Not going nowhere. Only player I can say that didn't have his fortune was Ryan Mallett. And Ryan Mallett, just when he got his opportunities, he really shit the bed. I mean, and that's where whenever the Buck Patriots exiled him, he wasn't going to get opportunities because they didn't get that endorsement. Matt Castle got it. Uh, Garoppolo got it. Jacoby got it. Guys like, uh, um, help me out here, uh, was another guy who got it. Um, For the Patriots? Yeah, man, it's backed up. He's playing right now. For another team? He was. I don't know. They've had Hoyer. They've had... Bingo. That was his name. Hoyer. And just like how he can hang around. So, I mean, like, that happens. So, 
it's been all good. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I, for, for episode 50, this has been great. And uh, I'm glad to get back on it. And I'm glad that John Overstreet was able to, to get back on it. Um, for, for what it's worth, this is Soft Straight Talk Show. Y'all have a good one.